Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast and also Columbus's first business-focused podcast. Our show was presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz, where we bring you authentic conversation and impactful guidance directly from leaders right here in our Central Ohio business community. We record this podcast at our home base, Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative writing, and digital media. We love telling the stories of this community, our community, and having you apply them to your work here in Central Ohio. Today, we're sitting down with Jennifer Griffith, Regional President of First Merchants Bank's Ohio region. First Merchants Corporation provides their customers with broad financial services delivered locally by bankers who are known and trusted in their communities. They offer personal banking, business banking, mortgage lending, treasure management services, and wealth management. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. I can already tell we're going to have a great conversation. Thank you for the invitation, Michaela. I'm looking forward to it. So, who exactly is First Merchants Bank, and, and how is your company really helping the Columbus banking industry? What are you bringing to it? Well, thank you very much for asking. So we are a mid-sized regional bank. We do business directly in the Midwest, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Uh, we are founded in Indiana, and through acquisitions, expanded our footprint into Ohio and Michigan. And so I am responsible for bringing the ecosystem of First Merchants Bank to life in the Ohio region, and that it crosses all of those disciplines you just mentioned, commercial, private wealth, treasury, consumer, mortgage, and to bring those to life with bankers that live and work here in our community. Someone gave me a mug recently, Midwest is best. Nice. And it is. You all believe that, I can tell. <laughs> what is your ecosystem look like? I mean, there's it's intentional, it sounds like. There's a reason you are where you are and you do what you do within your footprint. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. So we follow great demographics of growth-oriented markets. And Columbus has fantastic demographics. We're a growth-oriented community. And so when First Merchants made an investment in Columbus, Ohio, it was back in 2003. And Columbus continues to grow and to meet the needs of it, the expanding community. So we kind of want to be a part of that. Um, across the discipline, Consumer banking is helping our families prosper. It's helping um, hometown heroes find their first residence. It's helping teachers um, find their opportunity to acquire their first home. It's helping neighborhoods elevate. At the same time, we're helping individuals on the private wealth spectrum with their investments in their estates and with you know, potential um, succession planning for their families that matters to them. In the commercial element, we're helping businesses grow. And we're helping businesses get access to capital and to expand their demographics and their market reach to help them grow their payroll and to create jobs and employment in Central Ohio. And we're helping to fund those opportunities and solutions for them. So everybody has their own path. How did you yourself get into banking? It's mm -hmm. a great question. Uh, did not grow up aspiring to be a banker. <laughs> you did not? Okay. <laughs> no, I don't, th I don't think anyone does. <laughs> um, I thought I'd be a teacher. Okay. I was very excited to uh, be a teacher. I thought I'd be an elementary school teacher and um, went down a path that then challenged that thought, wasn't sure that teaching was going to be right for me. And I asked a banking center manager, what might I do if I wasn't going to be a teacher? That banking center manager said, hey, how about you come be a teller? And I said, fantastic, I'd love a job. And so this fantastic gentleman um, hired me to be a teller on his team. And I got to work in the consumer banking industry. And so I How worked... old were you at this time? It's a great question. I think I was... 
21, 22 years old, something like that. Um, And I worked through a run. It was Ameritrust. They were bought by Society. Society was bought by Key. So I went Ameritrust, Society, Key on the teller line and absolutely loved every single minute of it. Um, In the end, unfortunately, I was in a relatively violent robbery and it made me skittish and I wasn't sure what to do next. And so I had kind of fallen in love with this industry and the customers and the conversation. And I wanted to advance what I was doing, but I was skittish to stay in a banking center. And so I was looking for a new skill to learn inside of banking, and I was attracted to commercial analysis. So I left the banking centers to join a commercial team, spent my time um, learning commercial analysis and helping commercial companies grow and continuing to work in the banking industry on the commercial side of the house instead of the consumer side. When you look back at that 21 to 22-year-old you who had wanted originally to be an elementary school teacher, what are um, the skills you thought you were going to bring to that that ultimately helped you in banking? That's a great question. So I love to help businesses find solutions, and potentially educate them along the way around different pathways to whatever the reward is going to be. So to help them set a goal and potentially participate in a learning or an education around a skill that I um, have invested a lot in, which is the really the commercial banking side of the house, and helping businesses make great decisions. So there's still an education element to it. Um, it's definitely an art, not a science. And so finding ways to explore what it could be is actually a bit of the education side of me. I love that. Beyond commercial analysis, what was the rest of your experience prior to becoming regional president? Uh, So I worked in commercial analysis, and then I was promoted to a relationship manager, otherwise known as a commercial banker. Some people call them commercial lenders. Um, I spent the vast majority of uh, those years selling to entrepreneurs. Most of them were first-generation business owners and helping them build their companies. So I spent several years selling into that sector. Um, During those years, became very close with the Columbus Chamber. Uh, incredibly important to me and to the rest of the business. And then from there was offered the opportunity to be the sales manager of the team that was selling. And so I loved that job, thought it was the best job in the house. I still think it's an amazing job. I loved those years. Um, But at the same time, our president at the time decided to leave the banking industry. And so that gentleman bought into a client and um, became a client of ours instead of our leader. And I was offered the opportunity to step into his shoes. Wow. So, you know, I'm part of a family that had a first-generation business owner who worked with someone exactly like you, my father, um, for his business back in Illinois. Um, And I know that it it can be difficult being that first-generation business owner, making decisions and steps in the market that surrounds you, right? How do you guys ensure you're providing every client, clients like that and beyond, with just really a personalized experience that caters to their needs? Listening is absolutely the most important and walking in without any preconceived judgment. No business owners are in it for the same reason. Everyone has a very personal story. It is their baby that they're growing and developing for very personal reasons. And so walking into each business with a wide open lens so that you are curious and you're listening and you're meeting the needs of that potential um, prospect client business owner. So it, it's it's being curious, as you just described, being a very curious person helps an awful lot. So walking in with more questions than answers and absorbing as much possible information as you can so that you're not giving them guidance that leads them down the wrong path. We're going to turn it to inside Mm -hmm. um, the corporation, right? Inside the bank. That 
environment, that work environment and culture that you provide for your employees at First Merchants, what does that look like? Elevation, empowerment, prosperity, curiosity, um, leadership across all roles. Every single player on our team knows that they are a leader, um, that they're role modeling fantastic behaviors, and that they've got the opportunities to find role models in their pathways as they need them to. It's a very um, open, approachable, accessible environment. The team spirit is very, very strong. We're quite protective of our culture. It's kind of our own little it factor that we're really <laughs> proud of. And so everybody working together and elevating each other um, really sets us apart. What do you think other businesses miss in their it factor? Like, and I, I, I really, I'd love for you to tell me your secret sauce to this culture, <laughs> but like just a couple of pointers maybe for businesses that maybe haven't quite nailed it down yet. Like what has made the difference in that list you just gave to getting to the point where you guys have it down and people feel it throughout their workday and beyond? So I believe very strongly in the power of humility, feel very strongly in the power of servant leadership very strongly in the power of putting others first. Um, there was a time uh, when we were leading and building teams where I used to advise the managers that they couldn't be promoted until they'd promoted somebody else. And so understanding what it would mean to elevate somebody else um, had to be their priority before they were um, ready to start building their own careers and reflect on their own promotional opportunities. And so paying it forward and investing in somebody else before you invest in yourself um, has always been one of our strategic initiatives. For you, what do you feel is your biggest strength as a leader? Hmm. You've created this, you've helped create this culture, right? And what do you bring to the table as your biggest strength? Mm -hmm. um, I'm incredibly curious about anyone that's in my presence. And I am absolutely a people person. So I believe that we lead with people. I don't think it's the color of our money. I don't think it's the interest rate on our money market <laughs> account. Um, I definitely believe in the power of the people. And I also believe in very diverse teams. So whenever we add to our team or subtract from our team, we're always looking to elevate it to find places that are accretive and not redundant. And so redundancy doesn't help us advance um, the team. And so we're constantly looking for individuals to fill slots that we have gaps and opportunities. And so seeing the people first and investing in them and making sure that they all have lifelong careers, that they can choose First Merchants as their lifelong career, that we can be a stepping stone in their pathway, but not a stepping stone um, on their way to another industry. Then on the flip side of that, and I, I am a growth person, I think it sounds like you're a growth mindset person as yes. well. What is your biggest opportunity as a leader? What have you found over the years? Um, I don't like the word weakness. I like the word opportunity. Like what's what's been the opportunity that you've embraced and continue to work on to um, strengthen your leadership? So the financial industry is not typically perceived as a very diverse industry. And so I feel that as um, young professionals might choose banking as a career, 
um, that is a huge opportunity. Investment banking tends to be the sort of sexier opportunity. And just like I said, I didn't grow up wanting to be a banker. I didn't dress up like a banker for Halloween. My son has never, ever said he wants to be a banker. Um, and so there's this, there's an opportunity to change the mindset and the stereotype and the stigma of the banking industry, whether that's consumer or mortgage or commercial. And it really should be a significantly more diverse broad landscape. It is not a very diverse industry, and it should be a diverse industry. It should reflect the communities we serve. And I think that's a huge opportunity for the entire financial industry. How have you addressed that opportunity in your role as regional president? So elevating affinity groups. So making sure that everybody has a voice and they're at the table and they know that they're being heard and they know that everything they touch and all of their actions um, are driving us forward in progress. And they're incremental. There are a bunch of half percents that have to add up. Um, no one wand, no one lightning strike is going to fix this. Um, but over time and over generations, we know that we can make a difference. So we have affinity groups that I lead around diversity, equity, and inclusion, affinity groups um, that I lead around people of color, affinity groups that I lead around female leadership, and bringing those voices together. And in fact, the virtual environment has made it significantly easier. So we're able to reach a broader audience across the four states that we serve, rather than just speaking with the individuals in Ohio, we're able to lead that conversation, which I think does do um, a lot of great work across the the bank and the industry as a whole, because we're no longer limited to just a backroom conversation. going to go outside of the bank again, since we're talking about DE&I, because I mm -hmm. think you guys are doing some cool things there. Thanks. First Merchants recently opened up a branch in the Northland area. Tell, yeah, tell us about your work and the expansion there and how this all came about. So we knew that um, we were not meeting the needs of a diverse community. So we knew that in Columbus, Ohio, we expanded in Columbus, Ohio through acquisition. And so as we acquired companies, we did not strategically choose as First Merchants Bank where we were going to put a banking center. So this was the first time in Columbus, Ohio that we deliberately, intentionally found a corner and said, this is where we're going to drop our flag. And so as we were um, went to market and we learned more about Columbus, we actually leaned really heavily on a fantastic organization, the NCRC, that provided us data to help us understand where our dollars would have the most impact. And if you look at the demographics of the Northland community, they're incredibly diverse. You have an awful lot of first-generation Americans. It's an awful strong immigrant population. Their housing ratio is about 50-50, about 50% renters, about 50% ownership. And so being able to advance home ownership in that community is going to be a really strong strength for the community. Um, being able to meet the needs of the immigrant population is going to be a strength. Being a strong listener so that we understand why the needs have not been met yet and what those opportunities and gaps might be. And so um, we're really, really enthusiastic about it, really proud to be there. We opened that banking center this summer. And the minority-owned business specifically to First Merchants Banks, what's the importance of that overall? Because we're talking about individuals, but we're also talking about businesses and wanting to see diverse growth in that area too. Absolutely. And again, we're going to come back to different rewards with different priorities, with different families, leaving different legacies, leaving different marks. And so the only way you're actually going to 
be able to hit the whole audience is to get a diverse group of business owners talking about what matters most to them. And if you're talking to a particular vertical and they're all clones and they all sound the same and they're all propelling the same kind of initiatives, then you're not missing it. You are definitely missing it. You're not hitting your mark. So you've got to have diversity at the table for everything, for the leadership, for the team, and for the clientele. I feel you've, you've kind of already answered this question, but I'm okay. going to ask it because I guess we can hit people over the head with what you guys have done differently. What makes First Merchants Bank different than your competitors? It's the team without any question. And so we want to empower our team. We want our team to be accessible. We want them to be approachable. We want them to be agile. We don't want to have one box solution. We don't want to have three tricks and that's all we have. We want to have people that are listening that have the ability to style flex, that can understand that this solution, if tweaked, is going to meet your need differently than if tweaked a different direction for your neighbor. And so while it is important that we make sure we treat all applicants and all consumers equitably and fairly. It is also important that we help each individual meet their unique reward. And none of the rewards or goals for any of our clients are the same. Absolutely not. And so we need a um, team that's going to take the time to listen and take the time to ask questions, not jump to conclusions and figure out exactly what's going to be special and unique for the clientele that's sitting across the desk from them. You are busy. I was looking at some of the things that you do amid the Central Ohio community. How do you balance and maintain these very active professional, personal, and community commitments? You're born, bred Central Ohio, so how do you balance it all? We, we love to give advice on this to listeners. I don't know that I'm great at balancing. So I tell a lot of people that I feel like work-life balance is a farce. And if you're out of balance, you're probably in the wrong job. If you're out of balance, you're probably feeling it because you're throwing your time towards something that doesn't feel great. And if it feels prickly, then it's probably not the right place for you. So when I think about balance, um, I do start with the children's priorities. And so if there are athletic events that I want to attend, if there's a banquet that I want to attend, I make sure that those are firm and I will be always available for them. I take a look and make sure that family vacations become a priority. We can't go a year without our beach time. You got to get ourselves out on a beach. Um, I've got to make sure that I have the weekends to myself. I really don't spend an awful lot of time professionally during the weekend hours. I keep most of my weekend hours to myself and to my family. And, and then the rest of it, you kind of look through the week and you try to figure out if you filled all your buckets. And if you ever feel like you're out of balance, it's, you know, I think you can feel it in your gut and it's time to, to reinvest. So I don't know if that's a direct answer, but I do think that it's self-awareness around whether or not you're in balance. Balance, and then making sure that there are priorities that, um, again, my personal priorities are my personal reward, and I'm going to make space for those. And then professionally, my team deserves the rewards of that opportunity and time spent together. And so I'm going to make sure that that's balanced between philanthropy and line of business leadership and discipline and education and, and trade opportunities. To a business professional that wants to get into the banking industry and who is just starting out, what advice do you give them, especially given, you know, the track that you were on? So curiosity really matters, knowing that you don't have all of the answers. I know that even if you think they have the answers in 2022, there are going to be new answers in 2023. <laughs> it's Isn't an, that the truth? <laughs> it is an ever-evolving um, landscape, like yeah. most. Um, technology... 
uh, can't replace individuals. Technology can improve the process, but technology cannot replace your ears, your heart, your curiosity. So you've really got to be fully engaged. And, and then once you're there, financial health has to matter. And so if if a doctor is going to be drawn to hospital work, a banker is going to be drawn to financial wellness. And so financial wellness and financial health ought to matter to you. It ought to bring you some sense of pride and joy so that investing more along the category of, of products and solutions brings you personal motivation and joy as well. Well, and I'm I'm going to make a guess, and I could be wrong, but you were yeah. talking about prosperity as a part of culture for your your colleagues, your staff, you encourage prosperity, and and it sounds like I'm. That's my guess. But what are, do you do? You programmatically, things for them to keep them really caring about financial wellness in their own lives and really thinking in that direction. You said that earlier, and I was going to ask you that. Now that you said this, I'm curious. No, that's okay. So, so we don't want any of our solutions to lead anyone down a path that isn't prosperous. So we never want to give anyone the wrong solution. We never want to give you too much leverage or too much risk or too little reward. And so all of the decisions we make should help elevate your personal prosperity. That goes the same for our teammates. We hope our teammates bank with us. We hope we are the primary bank for each one of our teammates. And therefore, each one of our teammates kind of get double prosperous, right? Because they get the benefit of our solutions. They get the benefit of our think tank. But then they also get the benefit of being part of our team and being part of the financial health. So yes, we use um, tools and resources to help promote financial education, to help promote um, financial curiosity. And we hope everybody has the opportunity to to prosper from wherever they are. Nobody is sitting at the same starting line. But wherever you are, there should be there should be lift. One of the reasons we have conversations like this uh, is because we believe that that continued personal and professional development is one of the most valuable aspects um, as a leader in the business that we can glean from those that we talk to on this program. So I'd love to hear what's influencing you both lately, whether it be a podcast, a book, show, involvement in some kind of group. Is there anything that's really like is lighting your fire, inspiring you, and you're thinking, I'm going to apply this or I am applying this right now? I sadly have to admit that I don't have a number one flame right now. You don't. So I am a complete sucker for leadership books. And uh, in every one of the leadership books that I read, it's client service, it's servant leadership, it's somebody else's secret sauce to making sure that uh, people are at ease in your presence, right? So you want everyone that spends time with you to want to come back for more. And in order to help them come back for more, what is it about your presence, your professional style, your um, hostess-like quality that is going to invite them to come back, make them comfortable and at ease in their presence? And and that for me is a little bit of the servant leadership that I am more interested in making sure that you'd like to return and spend more time with me and my team than, um, than dismiss us and push us to voicemail every time you call. So customer service, leadership, servant leadership, those are always on my mind. I'm always looking for information around that. And then where is a complete, um, possibly unprofessional. You're just unrelated, I take it, to our conversation, maybe. No, no, no. What is I was going to say is a... Um, like an indulgence. Yes. Okay. I'll take an indulgence. <laughs> it's business Wars. The podcast Business Wars. Love it. 
I've love not, business wars. I've not heard of it. Okay, you should take a look at it. It is Taco Bell versus Chipotle. It's Taylor Swift versus her masters. It is an it's a fantastic podcast. It's personal indulgence, business wars. And it and it and it just pits these brands or these individuals against you and like and analyzes tell, tells and tells their, their story. story and tells their story. And I think it's I think every one of them is fascinating. Okay, business wars. Looking for it on my <laughs> podcast queue. Jennifer, you you have me wanting to come back for more. So thank you so much for our conversation today. Thanks, Michaela. Listening key to good business. I mean, that's just even just one small nugget, right? It's actually a pretty big nugget that we took away. And for our listeners to see Buzz, if you want to learn more about all of Jennifer's endeavors, please visit firstmerchants.com. Again, that's firstmerchants.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Your reviews help people find our show and hear our community stories. We read your feedback. We value your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University. We want to say a special thank you to their talented students behind the glass, faculty and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's business-focused podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode.